0: Flames Talk with pat steinberg and aaron vickers on sportsnet 960 the fan all right let's get this hour going it is thursday january 4th steinberg and aaron vickers of nhl.com along with you and let's uh, dive in on the sports drive brought to you by calgary lock and safe did you know calgary lock and safe also fixes doors if you have one that needs it visit calgarylockandsafe.com slash doors hello vix patrick Are we fine today or what? We are doing wonderful. Love it. Hopefully uh, you are doing fine, sir. Hopefully you are doing fine if you're listening live or listening with us on the podcast. Um, Later on this hour, looking forward to our chat with Sam Cosentino of Sportsnet. We will break down where we are so far at the World Juniors. Big focus on Canada, who unfortunately only played the five games. And Slovakia and Sam Honzek, first round pick of the Flames, who also unfortunately only played the five games. We'll get to all that later on this hour. Um, Jonathan Huberdo now has points in two consecutive games. We know he went 12 straight games without a point, then went 18 straight games without a goal. He has now bucked both those monkeys off his shoulder. Uh, an assist on New York, uh, New York Eve, New, York's e- New Year's Eve against Philadelphia, the 31st game. The game on December 31st for you and Wedley. Um, So an assist against Philly on Sunday, that's easier to say. And then a big goal, the eventual game winner Tuesday, and a pretty one against Minnesota. So that's a couple extended drought snap for Jonathan. And and no, I'm not suggesting that we should celebrate, nor am I suggesting that this means that he is in the clear and that uh, all of a sudden Jonathan is back. I'm not suggesting any of that. But we are talking about small steps forward. And in a situation where things have been as much of a struggle for a guy like they have been relative to expectations for Jonathan, I think baby steps are, in a lot of ways, all you can ask for. That's that's kind of what you need to see. I get that, but it's it's still good when they happen. And so... Knowing how this year is gone, I think the Flames will take it with what they've seen the last couple of games. And I will say that over the last week, two weeks, Jonathan's overall game has been a little bit more dangerous. He's been a little more creative. He's been doing things uh, a little bit more regularly to help the group. It just didn't hit the score sheet for the first time until Sunday, and he didn't score a goal until Tuesday's win over Minnesota.
1: Yeah, I don't think anybody, at least anybody sane was expecting a five-point game out of Jonathan Huberto to snap his point drought. And I don't think you're looking at a four-goal performance to end his, what was it, 18-game goalless drought. And it is going to be little steps. And no, you're not planning the parade. I'm not planning the parade. It's two games. It's one point in each game. But those are steps. When you end long slumps, that's the first step. The next step is to start putting runs together and he's at two and I'm not going to call two a streak. You got to get to three or more to, to have a point streak going, but things are starting to trend positively in Jonathan's Huberto's game, even outside of just registering an assist or just yep. outside of scoring a goal.
0: Um, a few things come to mind here uh, when talking about this, like it was a pretty goal. It was a confident goal. I have no idea if it will serve as a turning point or won't serve as a turning point, and I I don't care to say whether I... I have no idea. But it was a nice goal, and that's two straight games where he's picked up a point, so there's some progress. First of all, I was thinking about this coming into the show. If that line can stay effective, so if Lindholm with Huberto and Sharon Govich can remain an effective line. I spoke with Jonathan on Thursday morning ahead of the game against the Predators. And, and I asked him like, what's, what's different from when you were together in the, in training camp and early in the season to now he's like, well, you know, just overall, like I'm feeling better about my game. I'm more comfortable in my game. They're, they're playing and they're feeling more comfortable in their game. So if this line can continue to be a factor and for the two games, it's been back together. It has been, if that can continue to be the case, All of a sudden, Vicks, then maybe for the first time, we can be talking about Calgary's forward depth. Because that was one of the things that a lot of people talked about coming into the season. Well, they may not have a superstar, but if everything goes according to plan, this could be a very deep and difficult team to play against. Hell, we talked about that last year as well. Well, if the Lindholm line is a consistent factor, we know what you're getting out of the backland line on almost every night with Mangipani and Coleman. And for the most part, over the last two months, the Kadri line with Pospisil and Zeri has been their biggest factor line on a night-in, night-out basis. So feels like that missing piece is the Lindholm line. All of a sudden, now you're talking about, oh, maybe this team is a little more difficult to match up against with three lines potentially going well.
1: Yeah, you hit the nail on the head there with that word matchup. You can start to create matchup issues for your opponent, regardless of whether or not you're at home or on the road. Because if you've got three lines rolling, and I think Michael Backlund, Blake Coleman, Andrew Mangiapane, at least the early returns of that line getting back together and what they did last season, they're absolutely set and forget. And while I haven't as enjoyed Zari... Kadri Pospisil as much of late, Mm -hmm. they've still been over the bigger scope, your best line, your most offensive line, your most momentum turning line. So if you can all of a sudden layer in what it should be, your de facto top line performing like a top line, then suddenly you're creating these matchup issues for your opponent that we've anticipated for a season and a half. Now, I guess you could say with the fact that you're finally finding some chemistry with your number one center, your most, your highest paid winger, and then Sharon Govich, who has just also blossomed over the course of the last couple of months. And that line is really going to be to a degree, to a big degree, I would suggest, the engine that should be driving the Calgary Flames offense. And the early returns with that line getting back together, I think have been positive for the Calgary Flames. I think we've seen Jonathan Huberto, as you mentioned, his last two games have probably been his best two in some time. Sharon Govich, again, has been their number one point producer over the last month and a weeks, last five weeks, we'll say. And then, of course, you've just got your number one center and Elias Lindholm to layer on top of that.
0: The, uh, the the only way this team is a consistently good team is if their forward depth is a strength. It's the only way. It's the only way. And And let's just pretend there weren't these roster decisions hanging over it. The only way this roster, last year or this year, the only way this roster makes the playoffs and wins a playoff round and is a factor once they get to the playoffs, it's it's non-negotiable that their forward depth has to be their strength. And by and large, over the last season and a half, that has not been the case. By and large, they have not been able to have multiple lines going at the same time with Huberdeau struggles last year, and Kadri struggles for the first half, the second half of the season. Um, they they weren't able to do it, and consistently they did not have multiple lines. and And in this case, you probably need three lines. They did not have that going, and for the most part, this year with Huberdeau struggles and Lindholm struggles, they haven't had that either. So. And I'm not saying that this is going to happen now in perpetuity, but at the the very least, it gives them a chance for that to be the case. And if they have a Lindholm line and a Kadri line and a Backland line going, well, then yeah, I actually do like their chances on a lot of nights. And I actually do think they're a difficult team to, to match up against. And maybe when they go up against the Vegases and the Colorados, that might not be enough. But going up against the Seattles and the St. Louis's and the Nashvilles and some of the, the other teams, teams they need to catch teams they need to catch and beat i think it does give them you know a little bit of a leg up and you might feel even more confident in their chances on those nights so we'll see but i think at the very least you can buy that narrative a little bit more if the lindholm line with huberdo continues to play well
1: yeah and i think a lot of this falls on what you're getting out of jonathan huberdo and i think there are a few things helping him right now i think we're seeing him move his feet a lot better uh I'm of the opinion that it's fine to coast into the offensive zone, but you can't coast through the neutral zone and coast into the offensive zone. You need to have momentum. I think if you coast, you can change the pace a little bit. It helps you give a little bit more gap away from the defenseman. It helps other guys get into positions to open lanes, but if you're not going through the neutral zone with speed, and we haven't seen him do that a lot this season, then slowing down in the offensive zone isn't going to help you whatsoever. And I think we're seeing Huberto, move his feet more through the neutral zone to set those up. I think Sharon Govich driving deeper into the offensive zone on the right side helps Hubert O. Again, it opens up lanes and it drives one of the defenders back. I think where you could really find success is if you have Elias Lindholm committed to driving deeper as well. So if you have Sharon Govich driving to the far post, you have Lindholm driving to the slot. It opens up more lanes and more opportunities, even opens up a defenseman for Hubert O to hit on the high side but I do understand Lindholm coming in third as the high man. He It was his bread and butter when he was with Goudreau and Kachuk, and he takes on such a defensive responsibility. It's so much easier for him to play his full 200-foot game as the third man high, but I just wonder if you could coax Lindholm into driving a little bit more like Sharon Govich does if that helps Hubert further, because to me, that trio is the most important forward line for the Calgary Flames moving forward if they want to find any success in the wildcard chase.
0: Uh, this text says, uh, I just want to read this one. Because I think it plays into my next question on this. Says, if come trade deadline time, the team is in a playoff spot in a wild card position, do you trade or you do, do you just go for it? Well, trade all day. I don't hesitate. No, there's, there's no part of me on January 4th when you present that scenario to me. There's no part of me that thinks it's smart to just go for it. I think you trade. Trade, trade, trade. The only guy that I would be comfortable with going past the deadline, still still unsigned and not moved out is Tanav. Otherwise, I think you have to move Lindholm and you have to move Hannafin. That's me. That doesn't mean that it's a universally held opinion, but that's me. But let me ask you this. And I think I know your answer. I think I know the text lines answer. And there is a little bit of um, projecting nature in this, but if Lindholm and Huberdo keep clicking, does that change your tune? Does that change your opinion on keeping Elias Lindholm?
1: It does not. And to go back to the question of what if they're in a wild card spot, I approach it the exact same way as I would on January 4th or what I said back in October, November. And I scour the trade market to try to get my best returns on these Pentagon restricted free agents and whether or not Huberto and Lindholm find chemistry, which they've been searching for basically Huberto's Huberto's entire tenure with the Calgary Flames, and they happen to find it in a 15-ish game sample size, that's not enough for me to go all in on, let's bring Lindholm back. He's worked for six weeks or seven weeks alongside Jonathan Huberto. It's finally started to click. That's just not enough of a selling point for me to go, maybe we should keep Lindholm around and run this back for a third straight year.
0: I agree. I would not. It would not change my tune because still not enough time. Like, it's still not enough time to outweigh when it hasn't worked. And I just, I, just, I also think the ship feels like it's well out to sea on, on Lindholm when it comes to what that future holds. So it wouldn't it wouldn't change my tune personally, but I ask it because it is one of the things that has been pointed out and brought up when we've had conversations about Lindholm in the past. Well, if he can't work with their highest paid winger, there's no point in re-signing him. So I just wonder if you're one of those people who's felt that way, if it, all of a sudden it starts to work and we're talking about 10 or 15 games in a row where they look like a pretty good duo and that line looks like a pretty good line you know, if that does change your tune at all, but I don't know. I uh, just wanted to throw that out there.
1: I think you just have such a unique opportunity as a first year GM, if you're Craig Conroy to really steer a direction and a vision and not that you'd be starting from scratch or anything, but the returns that you should get for Lindholm and Hannafin and maybe to a little bit of a lesser extent Tanev, those returns have the ability If you go about it the right way and get the right returns, and when I say go about it the right way, I mean, that includes hitting on your picks at the draft. It goes well beyond just the negotiation of the trade. But you have the opportunity to shape a franchise for the next decade with your vision in just a handful of trades. And I think Craig Conroy owes it to himself and to what he said back when he took the job about we're not going to be in another Johnny Gaudreau situation. I think he has to explore the trade market yeah. well before looking at re-signing, regardless of where they, where they do or don't find themselves leading into
0: March 8th. Um, this says, I'll, I'll just read you a few texts. If they somehow go streaking and get into a division spot, they're extending him large if. Uh, this says from Robin Coldale, Lindholm has to be traded, no ifs, ands, or buts. This says you stay the course, you trade them like you were going to trade them anyways. It's all about asset management, and Conroy said that right from the start of the year, he'll trade them even if they're in a playoff spot. This says this team could be in first place and should still trade the UFAs, at least most of them. Um, this says you can't get your hopes up on this Flames team. They're going to have to trade Lindholm, Hannafin, and Tanev and at the deadline and maybe add Markstrom to that list. Once all that happens this team will be deflated. Um, there you go. That's just uh, a few of the texts at 960 960. It's uh, any anything to add on to that convo?
1: No, I think uh, I think you've got to explore the trade market. Yep. And and if there isn't something there, you you run into a different situation, but I think right from the get-go your approach should be the same. My concern is what happens and this is again, you want to talk large ifs. What if the Flames find chemistry in that top line? The Backlund line is the Backlund line, and the Cadre line continues to be the Cadre line, and suddenly you put together a stretch of 700 hockey? What do you believe the Calgary Flames are? The, the two-month stretch at 700 or the three-and-a-half-month stretch at 500? And that's what Craig Conroy is going to have to battle heading into that trade deadline. And
0: just one more text from Mike uh, who uh, weighs in. It says, uh, you must trade Lindholm and everybody else. Their chemistry, if any, I suspect, will be short-lived, and I'd be very skeptical it would work out next season. Extending him for a short run would be Turek-like. This says, if this conversation is coming up, then they got to trade these guys because they always make the wrong decision. Um, So there you go. Uh, Just a little bit on the text line at 960-960. A couple more things before we bring in Sam Constantino to close out the hour. Um, All-star announcements later on Thursday. We talked a lot about it on Wednesday. Um, I I just continue to reiterate. I'm trying to think of the right word to phrase this or right way to phrase this. I just would like to reiterate that this year, more so than any other year, Teams have zero say. I have as much say as Ken Holland and Daryl Cates and Murray Edwards and Craig Conroy and John Bean. I just threw out the people in the uh, two Alberta teams. I've got as much say as those people do. The NHL is deciding who goes to the All-Star game. So this groundswell of support, deserved groundswell of support for certain Flames players. Like Mackenzie Weger or like Blake, Blake Coleman, Coleman, who I think would both be awesome. They'd be so cool to see a couple, uh, one or two first-time All Stars go. Like how I just think Blake Coleman would be a NHL dream if he was Calgary's All Star representative. I just, I, I guess what I'm saying is don't get your hopes up. And I, I don't say that because they don't deserve to go. I say that because the teams, all 32 of them, have zero say. The NHL has decided who's going and the NHL did not take any input from teams. Literally, teams could have called and emailed. The NHL's like, we don't care. We're choosing them this year. Live with it. So let's, let's, I just I want to continue to reiterate that. And, and lay that foundation down. I think you should be expecting a bigger name from the Flames, like, uh, like an Azim Kadri, maybe, like an Elias Lindholm maybe, like a Jacob Markstrom perhaps. I think that's maybe more what you should be expecting as opposed to, you know, a guy like Uyghur or a guy like Coleman who would both be awesome. I just, just want to lay that out there that the teams have zero control or zero say.
1: I think Blake Coleman, from a what he could do perspective, in terms of the behind the scenes stuff and the, oh, the, the, the production value finally. of Flames TV and all that, I'd pay to see that. I'd be very curious to see him go through um, all the stuff that the All Stars get to go through, and the, with the humor and the wit and the the candidness that he has. And, I mean, he does leave the team in goals and points, so very deserving. As is Mackenzie Weegar. Be curious to see which way it all goes down.
0: Yeah. I just like to you know I'm a I'm an expectation manager. I just want to make sure that uh, just want to sh- make sure that we're doing that. Uh and I just as uh, again one more before we uh, bring in Sam Cosentino. Uh let's just reset for a second the Oliver Shillington conversation. Uh the news of Thursday from a flame standpoint not to overshadow their game day in Nashville, which is huge, but the you know the 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 big news from a feel good standpoint is the fact that Oliver Shillington has returned to sanctioned full team practice with the Calgary Wranglers. He is now on a conditioning assignment with the Wranglers and will be down with the Wranglers for the next week or so. He'll be getting some practices in. And that's as far as the Flames are willing to say. And and that's as far as the Flames are expecting right now. There's no expectation that he plays in any games. I know the Wranglers play, two with Henderson this weekend. But, again, there's no expectation that Oliver gets into these games. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be expecting um, and, and be saying, oh, he's going to play on Friday or Saturday. Uh, there's, there's no pressure on that. This is a get back, do some team activities. He has not taken part in a full contact practice in more than 18 months. And so that is an important first step, but they probably want to have some more of those, get a few morning skates and just be around the team, be around the boys, be around a, a team environment again, go through some video sessions, make it feel a whole lot more normal than it has the last year and a half. That's the important step here. This is that that's the big, that, that, that's the, the crux of this step. The games are kind of whatever. If he gets into one, I believe he's got the uh, ability to maybe play three on this LTI conditioning stint. That'd be awesome. It'd be great. If it doesn't happen, though, that doesn't mean that it's still not progressing, because it is still progressing, If even if in the next week he doesn't get into any games.
1: And it's important to keep in mind, as per Craig Conroy's statement, that there is a return-to-play plan in place for Oliver yep, Shillington. Exactly. That plan is very, very likely to remain between the Calgary Flames and Oliver Shillington. But there is nothing but... Uh, just trust the process I guess is what I'm trying to say there because the way that the Flames have approached this the way that Oliver Shillington has approached this they're going about it the right way doesn't mean he's going to get into games on this stint as you mentioned in the AHL with the Wranglers but there is a plan in place and you just you're happy to see that the steps are in place in terms of him practicing fully with the team right now
0: here is head coach ryan huska who was asked about this in nashville on thursday morning it's
1: a huge step for him and us i mean he's he's done a really good job of working on himself and i think our organization has done a great job of providing him with all the tools necessary to try to help him get back so this is the next step for him so he's going to get an opportunity to get into some team practices and um you know, we're fully expecting that's going to go well for him. That's our hope and belief. And then we'll uh, continue to progress as we move along. This is a, a positive step for
0: him for sure. And here is Captain Michael Backlund on this. It's great.
1: Uh, it's been great seeing him around the locker room uh, for most of December. Uh, seeing him being around, talk to him, and, you know, see him as a normal self, uh, being chatty and a uh, happy guy. So it's been, it's been great to see him.
0: And finally, fellow D-man and uh, pretty close buddy, Rasmus Anderson.
1: You know he's been around for the last, uh, last little while, and it's good to see him coming back, and it's good to see him uh, kind of figure out whatever he's been through. And uh, we couldn't be more excited and happier for him uh, as a team, and you know just uh, the person Oliver and coming back. And uh, it's been a, it's been a long road back for him, but we're really excited to get him back.
0: So uh, good on Oliver tip of the hat to the Flames too with how they've handled all this. It's uh, Pat and Vickers as this hour of Flames Talk rolls on and want to continue to get the call out for entries for our 2024 Wild Rose Beer League game at Flames Community Arena. So Sportsnet 960 is teaming up with the fine humans at Wild Rose Brewery again and uh, on March 22nd we're doing our Beer League game. We'll have celebrity refs. We'll have the game broadcast on the radio. We'll have, uh, we've got lights, we'll have the, the DJ, like, well, we're making it a big deal for a couple of beer league teams. We want you to go enter now at sportsnet.ca slash 960. We are choosing these teams at the end of January, early February, uh, and uh, we're going to be making the announcements on February 2nd. So, go to sportsnet.ca slash 960 if you want to play in the beer league game, and it's brought to you, as always, once again, by Wild Rose Brewery, serving up premium craft beer to Albertans since 1996. Whether you're looking for a finely tuned craft lager or a robust porter, they've got something for everyone. Find them around Alberta and at their tap room in the Curry Barracks. Flamestock is on the air and streaming on the Sportsnet mobile app. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Calgary. All right, it's time to go inside hockey for Calgary Co-op. This hockey season, support local, find your all-time classics, and locally brewed beers. Visit your local Calgary Co-op Wine spirits, Beer today. It's Steinberg, Aaron Vickers, and uh, hey, look, we don't get to do this very often. Uh, we like to, you know, we like to spread the guests around the different family shows, and we have... Very little time for guests on Flames Talk, so it's a it's a special occasion when we get to talk to one of the beauties. Uh, let's welcome in Sportsnet's Sam Cosentino as he joins us right now on the program, breaking down an almost finish World Junior Hockey Championships this year. Hello, Sammy. It's good to hear from you, buddy. How we doing?
2: Doing well. Nice to hear from you. Happy New Year, gents.
0: Happy New Year, pal. Um... How uh, how we doing? How's the uh, how's the World Junior watching been going?
2: You know what? It's it, it locked today. Unfortunately, I had uh, we had a family uh, funeral, unfortunately, to attend here today. But got some catching up to do on that. But still, obviously, very interested. It does take some of the shine off it when uh, you know when Canada's gone? But it does add uh, definite intrigue, especially when you talk about the Swedes wow. last time. And the old, one of the only times I think they won dating back to seventy one was uh, when rod Peterson and I called it on the network on fan nine sixty there in Calgary in Calgary um, Ooh. yeah make' it a bit is a bit of jad with the game winners, like triple overtime against yes, it the was. Russians an unbelievable game um the, now you have the Swedes here on home ice trying to trying to win it, and to be perfectly honest with you like the way I handicapped this event, as I thought that the Americans and the Swedes were the two best teams going in, you, you kind of had a sense that the Americans and their swagger were, were going to get there. And the Swedes, you wonder if they were going to trip up along the way, but uh, that doesn't seem to have happened. And so it should be a pretty sick final. And you know what? The Finns, I, I just love the way they, they play. Probably this is, in 10 years, this is probably the you know, one of the lesser teams they've had, maybe the worst team they've had in 10 years. They find a way that to grind it out, and good for them. They're going to be able to play for a medal as well.
0: Um, lots lots to get into. And by the way, yeah, just two golds for Sweden since the uh, inception of the tournament. The last one was that one uh, that uh, you two called, and uh, I remember vividly. Um, I let's let's talk about canada and they won't medal or are not going to medal did not medal for the first time since 2019 and they don't even play for a medal this time around what it it just seemed like a tough tournament all round, right from the get-go what was your overall impression of canada at this year's event
2: so going into it i thought i i like their back end before the injuries and still even coming out of it with the uh you know with the addition of uh of Nelson there and Luno going out, um, you know, the addition of Furcus. Like you'd never seen that sort of injury thing hit Canada before, but let's go back to the start of it. Unproven in goal. That was going to be a challenge. One returning player who wasn't really a full returning player and on back because he only come on in the, in the medal round last year. Um, NHL guys, which every country has to face, uh, but the group of NHL players that would have been available, absolutely exceptional, you know, Three of them are going to be in the rookie of the year conversation in the national hockey league. And then you had the fact that this team was going to look a lot different than iterations of the past, especially the last two that won gold because they didn't have that high end talent. This team was going to have to beat you with four lines of depth, four lines of scoring, hope for good goaltending and really look at the strength of this club being the D. So now you handicap it. You get a couple injuries on, on defense you got to call in a few guys. That's a challenge because those guys don't necessarily feel part of it. They have to fly across the ocean. They get there a little discombobulated. Um, and that's, it's tough to kind of implement yourself into the club. You look at the goaltending. You know, obviously, th- this is the first year that I can think of where in game two, which is a lesser late game, that Canada didn't go to one of its other goaltenders. They took Russo and they said, we're going to ride this guy. Right, in, right through. That doesn't I, I think Justin Pogie is probably the last time that that happened. So, you knew it was going to be challenging for this club. I thought they might be able to play for a bronze medal. I didn't have them in, in, in any stretch uh, being able to play for gold. And unfortunately, the, the bronze medal thing didn't come to fruition either. Um, but, hey, the, the, the other countries are good. The Slovaks, good, even though they're not going to play for medal. Czechs, Swedes, Finns, all good. good. the Americans, always good so here we are looking at a a group of teams that uh you know that especially in the gold looks pretty much exactly how it should have been handicapped
1: Sammy Aaron Vickers here I know there was going to be a lot of attention and there was a lot of attention on Macklin Celebrini for Team Canada as a potential number one the potential number one consensus number one for the 2024 draft in your eyes how did he perform and how did he live up to that billing There's no question in
2: my mind that he's the number one guy. I felt, Aaron, uh, strongly about that. And I know you do a lot of work in that sphere as well. I felt very strongly going in that he was going to be that guy. But I love the fact that he was going to get this litmus test as an underager. I go back to the pre-tournament games against the U Sports Stars uh, in in Oakville. And you thought about, okay, first game he plays wing, really good. Ah, Let's give this guy a try at center. Oh, yeah, he's the best player on the ice. Okay, it looks like he's ready to rock and roll that challenge for him wasn't a whole lot different than what he's faced at BU playing against men and playing against college competition. So he answered that bell and then he goes over there and I, 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 mean, I thought he was great. So probably needed a little bit more, um, support, but you know, a guy who leads the team in scoring as a, you know, as a double underage player is impressive stuff, uh, regardless of what tournament you think about and regardless of how it might have tailed off for him in the end. But, uh, I think the world of his game, I don't think, uh, if if anything, he cemented his spot as as the first uh, projected overall guy.
1: You mentioned Celebrini not having a lot of support. Were there other players on Team Canada that stood out in a positive way to you?
2: Well, I I really enjoyed uh, the progression of Maverick Lenro. I you know I, this guy is was a raw, unpolished uh, talent. You know, everyone saw what happened with his parents at the draft, which is a cool moment, and how he reacted to that. I thought was was really neat, but he's a guy whose game uh, has come a long, long way. And I've been so impressed by the progression in his development. I know that, uh, you know, the Arizona Coyotes are extremely happy with him. If you look at what their D is going to look like four years from now, it's going to look like, uh, you know, an NBA team. Yeah, They're Giants. Six, six, five, six, seven, five six seven gonna be hmm. huge. Nate Danielson is a guy that I really have a great appreciation for in his two-way game going back to him essentially as a 16-year-old uh, with the uh, Brandon Weekings. Matthew Poitras, um fascinating guy for me in that he was able to play and put up basically a half a point per game with the Bruins before being let go so much so that, you know, Don Sweeney said he's going to have a spot when he comes back, and I think that's that's really cool stuff. Carson Rekop is a, a guy that I watched and had at points last year, projected him to go in the first round. He looks like he's the real deal with the Kitchener Rangers. I think he's still got to find a little maturity um, in his game, but he looks like the real deal. So, uh, Owen Allard is a guy that, quite honestly, I just didn't know a lot about having been displaced, uh, you know, year over year away from the junior game. But, you know, with his uh, background, his dad being a skills guy, playing in that really good program at Sault Ste. Marie, um, impressed with him as well. So there were, there were a number of guys. Um, I don't know, Aaron, like, I guess I'd ask you the same question. How did you feel about Celebrini, and and who maybe did you like?
1: Um, I really came away liking Celebrini, and he did a lot of the things, not just on the offensive side of the puck, but through the neutral zone and the defensive zone as well, that kind of really – I mean, the expectation on him is high – going into the tournament as you mentioned and anytime there's a projected number one pick from Canada the spotlight's going to be on him and I don't think he shied away from that spotlight in his play so it's a tip of the cap to him he was really my standout for Canada I did like Rousseau's game as well in net but to me there was a lot of lack of cohesiveness in Canada and maybe a little bit of chemistry was lacking amongst the forward group a little bit That's just sort of how I overall saw it. I didn't get to see all of Canada's games, unfortunately, Mm -hmm. being out here in the mountain time zone. I wasn't fully committed to getting up at the 5, 6 a.m. hour (laughs) to to make it happen, but uh, that was just sort of my initial impression of Canada overall.
2: You know what? I I have to give some some props to Connor Geeky because I I felt, uh, you know, uh, in a 16-year-old year year in his draft year, he was receiving a lot of hype, and, and rightly so. Uh, But I found a lot of maturity in his game. And admittedly, you know, a guy who understood that he had to play with more pace, and he's done that this year with Wenatchee. And I think clearly he's shown that he can do that at at the world junior level. So you're talking about another guy, whatever whatever he is, 6'3", 6'4". And again, another Arizona pick. So, you know, playing this Arizona team in a couple of years is going to be a whole lot of fun to watch because they're all Mm going to be Giants.
0: We are chatting with Sportsnet's Sam Cosentino here inside hockey on Flames Talk. Uh, the, the other The other big one for Flames fans uh, would be Slovakia. There were a lot of eyes on Slovakia who go out in overtime in the quarters against Finland. And uh, Sam Honzek had a really great start to the tournament uh, production-wise. And then that kind of tailed off as as time went on. But just uh, how do you sum up the tournament for the Flames first-rounder Sam Honzek, Sam?
2: Well, pretty cool that he was, uh, you know, able to take a leadership role with uh, with that club. You know, the Slovaks the last four or five years have really kind of changed their style of play and become more of an attack team as opposed to a, to a defend team. And I think, you know, the best way to sum it up is they're playing to win hockey games, not to lose them. And that's a change we've seen going back you know, to Craig Ramsey taking over the, the national team and and having that filter through its younger groups at the at the 16 level, the 17 and 18 levels. And so when I look at Hansig as a, as a late birthday guy from the draft, um, you know, last year, you know, he's got good size. When I had the opportunity to meet him in, in Vancouver last year at the prospects game, I was just really impressed by his maturity. Like, you know, understanding what it was going to take for him to to make it to the next level being committed to staying in North America in the off season training with pros, you know, taking on a leadership role with the Vancouver giants um, and then continuing that forward with the national team. So he's a guy that I really liked last year. You know, unfortunately we didn't get to see him in the prospects game, but when he played, he played well amongst the best rookies in the WHL last year. And I think he's a guy that moving forward, Calgary going to be really happy with.
0: What uh, when you and and this isn't and maybe maybe this uh, solidified your thoughts at the World Juniors? Maybe it didn't. I don't know. But your overall um, impression on Hanzek in terms of what he projects to with the Flames? How, how would you uh, how would you rate that out, Sammy?
2: Yeah, I think he's going to be a skilled winger type guy. I think he's going to be a guy who, you know, he shoots the puck really well. I think he's a guy who's not afraid to go to dirty areas, but probably not a guy who's going to initiate contact, but should, um, you know, with his size and and added strength should be able to repel it uh, and be able to protect pucks. But I think he's got some, you know, a sneaky gear coming off the wing. So I think he's going to be a guy who's going to be able to give you some really good moments off the rush. And uh, a guy who's going to give you some secondary scoring. I don't know if he's a top line guy, a first line guy, but he probably fits somewhere in that, uh, you know, in that five, six, seven hole in terms of ranking your forwards one through through 12.
0: Close, close ish? Still a little ways away from being able to to make that jump in your eyes? Yeah, I think
2: so. I mean, you know, you want to have, you know, I use Matthew Coronado as as a pretty good example, right? He signs, he comes in, he plays games. He looks like he's pretty good. Then he kind of, hey, now this is your job and this is your thing. Can you sustain at the national hockey yeah. level? And he, he's not quite there. And I and I do have high hopes for him. But then I look at a similar player Jacob Pelche, and I know he's injured, but the slower progression for him looked to me that at the start of the year, should he have been healthy, probably would have earned his spot and maintained it. And I think that's something that you want to do with Hansik. You want to get him to a position where he's ripe enough that he can come to the National Hockey League and maintain his spot there. What does that mean? Well, it means you're probably not going to step into a top six role right away. It means rounding out your game away from the puck, being defensively responsible, utilizing your speed, maybe helping out on the PK a little bit because of your reach, your length uh, and your speed, and then, you know, morphing into a, a higher role as the years progress. So, Again, it's really tough with these higher end guys, these first round guys, because everyone wants them to come in and contribute right away. It doesn't happen. We're lucky this year that we're looking at a Benson, a Fantilli, a Bedard, who are able to come in and do that, you know, a Luke Hughes. uh, But that's more a rarity than it is um, a normality. And so for Hansik, he's a guy that I'd like to go see, play some games at the American Hockey League level, get used to what that's like and the physicality and, and the toughness of that league, do it under the watchful eye uh, with the Wranglers, underneath the watchful eye of, of Craig Conroy and the development group with the Flames, right underneath their eye so that they can have that, that in-person conversations with them and then see him move forward from there. So I don't think he's a guy who's going to step in and help you right away next year. I would expect him to get a few games next year, Um, but I would, you know, be looking at him two years down the road as a guy I think can can come in and do some things.
1: Sammy, on the heels of the World Juniors, your January draft rankings for the 2024 draft will come out later this month. Hit the pages at sportsnet.ca. Did the World Juniors change anything for you in terms of how you have some guys slotted?
2: Yeah, I still have to go through and and go back and watch a little tape. and, And, you know, Aaron, I like to go back and watch Shift uh, sometimes mm-hmm. so we have the opportunity to do that with with some of the, the platforms that are out there and so I'd like to go back and hone in on that you know you can look through you can watch games and sometimes you're detra- distracted by other things especially if it's not Canada playing and sometimes you can watch and look at the scoreboard and you look at the stats yeah <laughs> oh, that looks pretty good yep. but you know you want to hunker down a little bit on video you, you, and I'm sure you have an appreciation for that when you can go back and and try and verify what you saw out of the corner of your eye and, and, verify it by, by honing in and then focusing a little closer, but there's no question that's going to change the balance of some things for sure. Uh, you know, and we've already talked about Celebrini cementing his spot, there will definitely be uh, some further fallout and, and for the good, for the most part, for, uh, for the draft eligible players
1: involved. Out of curiosity, how do you plan on treating Adam check. the brother of David check for the rest of the season? He oh, sustained a season ending injury in game one, I believe, for the Czechs.
2: Yeah. I had a I, I re- I'll be honest with you, like in the viewings and watching shifts of his this year, I didn't really like his game. I was looking forward to seeing how this tournament would play out for him to see if he could get back, you know, being with the national team and how that might change things or get him back on track. Um, and unfortunately, you know, that's, that hasn't worked out the way that, that you you would have wanted it to, because you think so highly of the Mm -hmm. player, you think so highly of where his brother has come and now, and now you're kind of left wondering. So I guess at that point, is there enough, um, is there enough currency in the bank to, to push it forward and, and be happy with what you've seen, or is there still a lot out there that you're concerned about based on his play from the start of the year to this point.
0: Sammy, last thought for you. And uh, we'll let you go. You've got Sweden who gets past Czechia. They, they get the job done in their semifinal and the U S scores late and they knock off Finland to advance the gold medal game. So that's your matchup. The host Swedes and the Americans, how do you uh, handicap this gold medal game? What, uh, what's your gut tell you?
2: No, I think the Americans with their swagger, they're, they're a team that's, that's not going to like to play from behind. So I think it's going to be essential for Sweden to try and get out uh, to a lead and build on, I don't know if a one nothing lead is going to be enough to do it. Uh, but, you know, that I, I think they need to kind of get out and try and take the will away from the Americans early in this hockey game. If not, I think the pressure is going to be very, very heavily leaning on this Swedish team on home ice, you know, playing for a gold medal, knowing how many times they've had a silver. Yep. Um, and if the Swedes get off to a bad start, I'd be very, very concerned.
0: Sammy, awesome as always. Great to catch up with you, man. In, uh, enjoy the last few games of the World Juniors. Looking forward to those draft rankings a little bit later on this month for January as well. A pleasure as always, pal. All right. Thanks, Tiny, Aaron. Great talking to you. Happy New Year, guys. Happy New Year, Sammy. That's Sam Cosentino of Sportsnet and Sportsnet.ca. Wrapping up the World Juniors for this year, and he joined us inside hockey for Calgary Co-op. Let's go local, Calgary, from best from the West Canadian produce to quality only Alberta meats. Find your local at Calgary Co-op, shop online, or in-store today. That'll start to wrap us up this hour on the program. Thanks to Cam and Taylor, our producers. Aaron Vickers on Twitter at AA Vickers as well. This hour has been the sports drive brought to you by Calgary lock and safe. Did you know Calgary lock and safe also fixes doors? If you have one that needs it, visit calgarylockandsafe.com slash doors.